Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lane Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. When you go out on a date with someone, who should pay for that date? When two people of the same sex or gender go out, they'll often split the bill. But when it's a man and a woman who go out, more often than not, the man pays. This is interesting when you consider the broader shifts toward gender equality that we've seen in recent decades. In many ways, there have been substantial shifts away from traditional gender norms. But in terms of the courtship process, things have been fairly stagnant. There's still a lot of chivalry present in dating between men and women. So how do people feel about this state of affairs? Do men think their dates should be contributing to expenses? Do women think their dates should be the ones who pay? Does the act of having someone else pay for your date create the feeling that you owe that person something, such as sex? Why, in an increasingly egalitarian society, do we still hold on to this gendered norm that men should pay? And how can we all better navigate this very fraught issue? We're going to be discussing all of this today. Dr. David Frederick is back to tell us what his research on this topic has revealed. David is an associate professor of health psychology at Chapman University in Southern California. He has taught more than 70 courses on sex and gender and has published dozens of scientific papers in this area. This conversation promises to be really interesting and maybe even a little controversial. So stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. The Kinsey Institute at Indiana University has been investigating issues of sex, gender, and relationships for 75 years. To commemorate the Institute's 75th anniversary, they will be hosting events all throughout the year, including art exhibitions, research lectures, a book club, dance performances, and much more. Visit their website at kinseyinstitute.org or follow them on social media for the latest details. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Kinsey Institute. A common source of conflict in relationships, both new and old, is finances. Over the course of a relationship, the role of money and the way that people fight about it changes. But today I want to talk about money and dating, and specifically the way that people navigate financial issues, starting from that very first date. So for example, when you go out on a date with someone, how do you decide who should pay? There used to be this pretty clear script in heterosexual dating where men should pay but times have changed and it's not clear what the rules are anymore. Some people still think men should pay due to the gender pay gap. Some people think expenses should be split. Some people think that whoever asked for the date should pay regardless of their gender. And then there's also the question of what it means or implies when somebody else pays. Some people think that it creates this inequity where you have this expectation that you owe the other person something such as sex. So how do you navigate this very complex issue? I want to focus here on heterosexual dating because we know from research that LGBTQ folks are much more likely to share or split expenses on a date because they're not beholden to the same gender scripts. So Dave, let's start with the question of how many heterosexual people start out on a date sharing expenses? You know, is that a common experience and does it change the longer people are dating the same person? There have been some recent surveys done by dating sites and other sources that just ask, who do you believe should pay on a first date? And men, about 85% of them say that, that they should pay on the first date. 72% of women say that men should pay on the first date. 
Others have asked, you know, do you think you should split, you know, relatively small percentage say that you should split the expenses on the date. So there's still this kind of wide held attachment to that symbolic behavior of what should happen on the first date. It's clearly meaning something to people. So even though we've had tremendous shifts in gender roles and gender expectations in terms of acceptance of women in the workplace, acceptance of wearing clothing that used to be male stereotypes like jeans is now acceptable. Uh, most people support women working when they have kids. Like there's been tremendous shifts in our views on gender equality. There's this certain behaviors that we still kind of like hold on to as being symbolically important and paying on the first date. So what we wanted to do since we had this big sample of thousands of men and women is to get a sense of when do you actually start splitting expenses? How do you feel about it? What things differ and what, thing, what factors predict people's different opinions on these things? So in terms of how long people date before they start sharing expenses, there's about a fourth of couples who said, yeah, we started sharing expenses like right from the start. And then... There's a, you know, like 15% who said they start sharing after a month, 10% after two to three months, and about 15% after four to six months. And then there's 15% of people who are saying, like, even after six months, we're not really sharing. So there's incredible diversity out there about what's going on in terms of who is paying during the courtship phase of a relationship. There's quite a bit of variability. When you ask men in our samples, 82% of them say that even after they've dated a woman for a while, they're usually paying the majority of the dating expenses. So there's been, in some ways, tremendous shifts in gender behaviors and gender ideologies. But this pain on dates and pain during early courtship, there, there's still a lot of adherence to the traditional norm with some room for variety and egalitarian behaviors in there as well. So fascinating. So it sounds like most people across gender sort of still support this idea that men should pay on the first date. And most people seem to follow that pattern. But over the course of time, the more dates you go on with someone, you see a lot more diversity and variability in terms of whether or not people are sharing expenses and when they start doing it. So another question I want to ask related to this is how many women offer to pay on the first date? And I know you asked about this in your work. And when they offer, are they bothered if their date refuses their money? Or are they okay if their date insists on paying? So about 60% of women say that they always offer to help pay even on a first date. So there's a lot of women who are offering to pay. But then kind of the hard part for the guy on the date is figuring out, well, is this a genuine offer? Is it something they want me to reject or is it something they want me to accept? I'm not sure. And 40% of women in our sample say it would actually bother them if the man accepted their offer to pay for a health date. Um, on the other hand, another 40% of women says it bothers me when men won't accept my money to help pay for dates. So as a guy, you're trying to figure out, all right, well, what do I do? I kind of have a 50-50 shot here of if I accept the offer, I'm going to make some women happy and some women upset. So it becomes what used to be a standard script that the guy could follow is now, what am I signaling was this behavior? If I decline the offer, am I being gentlemanly? Am I showing that this is a date? I'm showing that I am interested. I'm showing that I'm more than happy to be generous and be a good provider. Or if I insist on pain, am I sort of viewed as not respecting the woman's preferences and disregarding. So there's like this social 
situation where now it's trying to figure out like how should I, what's the appropriate behavior here now that the script has changed. When I was on the dating market, I would solve the problem by just saying, oh, no, no, I'll get it. You can get it next time. And so that way you're kind of like having a dodge out of the situation while still indicating an openness to egalitarian relationships. It sounds like quite the predicament, right? And, you know, as gender norms and all of these things evolve and change, you know, great in a lot of ways, but also creates a lot of this ambiguity in terms of the dating market and process and how that all works. And I think people are really struggling a lot in terms of how to figure that out because, <laughs> you know, you don't know exactly what a partner might be signaling if they're offering to pay. So in dating, that's just one of many examples in which ambiguity can come into play and you've got to make these, you know, sometimes difficult decisions right there on the fly. But I love the solution that you proposed. And, you know, that's often what I do, whether I'm out with friends or someone else, like I hate getting in fights over the bill and like who wants to pay. And sometimes you have people who will insist on paying. And like, if somebody insists, I'm just like, fine, you take it, pay it. I don't care. But yeah, it's, it's one of these complex, challenging topics, I think, for a lot of people. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's sometimes this feeling that if your date pays, that you're somehow indebted to them. And you owe them something, such as sex. So I'm curious as to what you found in your research. Do men tend to expect sex if they pay on a date? So is that actually true? And do women feel pressure to have sex if their date pays? There were definitely some women in the, the sample who were saying that when the guy pays on the date, they feel some pressure to engage in sexual activity. And one thing that we noticed was there was a pretty dramatic age difference in this. So if you ask the young women, and by young women, I mean 18 to 25, 26 to 35, you know, about a fourth of them are saying, yes, I do feel a little bit of pressure to engage in sex if, if the guy pays. But the older women, almost half of them are saying, yeah, I feel that pressure. So there's some sort of generational difference here. By older women, I mean, you know, 46 to 55, 56 to 65. So there's some sort of generational difference here. And like what the symbolic meaning and expectations are that are coming along with the man paying on the date. So we asked the men as well, all right, if you pay on the bill, do you think a woman should engage in some sex sexual activity in return? 16% of the men said, yes, I do expect that a woman should engage in sexual activity in return for me paying for the date. So um, a couple ways to look at this. You can look at this as the glass 16% empty versus 84% full. So the vast majority of guys are, are not having this expectation. In fact, there was actually a lot of guys who were offended by this question. So we had a qualitative section of the survey as well. And they wrote things like, no, I'm paying because I want to show that I'm a gentleman or I'm paying because I want to show that I'm good caretakers. Sex has nothing to do with it. In fact, one guy said, the reason I pay is she should get dinner whether or not I get dessert. So there was a lot of offense taken to this question by, by a lot of the men. But there's still this, you know, 16% of men who are saying, yeah, that they have this expectation. And I think that that ties back a lot to important things about how men are socialized and the extent to which women are objectified, especially women who you don't know personally. There's a broad encouragement of, to sexually objectify women in not just our culture, but many cultures where you see a woman as a tool or thing for sexual pleasure as opposed to caring about her personality, her interests, her desires. 
and this can get then wrapped up into the behaviors that happen on a first date when the two people are just getting to know each other and that some men are having that expectation. I think this is one of those contentious data points where different people will look at it in different ways. You're absolutely right. Some people can look at it and find it reassuring that the vast majority of men do not attach this expectation to paying for a date. But the fact that they're still 16%, you know, it's, you know, one in six, one in seven guys who have that expectation, that is problematic, right? So it, it really depends on the way that you're looking at it. But yes, so there are some men who do have that expectation, but the vast majority of them do not. But it seems that even if most men or a really large number of them don't have that expectation, there's a lot of women who think that that expectation is there. And so that perception difference, I think, is a really important one in talking about all of this. I know that you asked a lot of specific questions in here about how men feel when women pay on dates. So we have a lot of men who think that they should pay on the first date, but do men think that women should start chipping in and at what point and how many men find it to be a deal breaker if their partner just never offers to pay their way at all? Yeah. So in some traditional views on courtship, the idea is that, you know, the men should pay for all the expenses up until marriage or, or something like that, and then become the breadwinner in the relationship, right? So we're not seeing a lot of that in our kind of modern samples. You know, as I mentioned before, 82% of the guys are saying that they're still paying most of the expenses still well into the courtship period. But there's definitely a lot of guys who have sort of a hybrid egalitarian model where they are like, yeah, I should pay for the first dates or I should pay early on. But then they expect some more egalitarianism in terms of the, the finances in the relationship. So we asked the men the question, after the first few dates, women should help pay expenses. And so two thirds of the men agreed with that. So then that doesn't necessarily mean equal pain, right? It's just that after some initial dating that women should help pay some of the expenses. So two thirds of the men agreed with that. Um, almost half of the men said they would stop dating a woman who never offers to pay any of the expenses. So again, there's this kind of ex expectation by a large percentage of men that some financial contribution that's not necessarily equal in during the dating uh, courtship period, but is at least contributing or offering to contribute is important. But on the other hand, there's that other third of guys in our sample who say it bothers them when a woman tries to pay the bill on the date. Now, we, we had had the word bothers in there, so I don't want to make too much of them saying that they're bothered. But there's clearly like a third of men saying that, you know, no, no, I think it's my responsibility to, to pay on the date. So we're seeing like this issue now where there's a lot of diversity among men, among women. Once we get past that first date section, now there's a lot of variability in what people believe and what people expect should happen, which can lead to some potential conflicts or negotiations or opportunity to communicate and see if you're on the same page. Because this can be an initial test of, do you have compatible gender ideologies? So do you still hold to kind of a traditional gender role model when it comes to finances? And if you do, you probably hold other traditional beliefs as well. So if you and your partner are both on that same page, you might be a good match. If you're having a discrepancy here, it might be good to see, are there other really important things about gender and the roles of gender in a relationship? And if it even should play a role, are you on the same page or not? Even though a lot of the guys are saying, yeah, I have some expectation that women contribute to the finances on the dates, 
We also wanted to see how men feel when the woman does actually pay on the date. So we asked men if they feel guilty if they don't pay the bill on the date. And what we found is that 76% of the men said, yes, I feel guilty if I don't pay the bill on the date. So you have this conflicting emotions and expectations in the men, where on the one hand, you're raised to be the breadwinner, to be financially caretaking of the relationship, to treat women to dates and to experiences. And if you don't, if you don't live up to that expectation that you've internalized, if you don't live up to that norm that you've accepted. Well, a natural feeling when you don't live up to a norm that's important to you is, is to feel guilty. But on the other hand, there's also this newer socialization about equality in relationships instead of complementary roles. There being egalitarian relationships where everyone has an equal say and that pervades all or most of the relationship. And so there's this tension then between believing that, but also the guilt you might feel if you aren't living up to those other things that you've internalized and learned. It sounds like there's a lot of ambivalence here in terms of how people feel about it. Lots of conflicting feelings. And I think it's going to be so interesting to study this going forward as gender roles and norms continue to change, as the economic landscape continues to shift. Right. So we know that the gender wage gap has closed a lot in recent years. We also know that women are now outnumbering men in college degrees. And, you know, that's going to shift the future economic landscape. And so, you know, as all of these things continue to evolve, I think you could make some predictions that maybe people's feelings today might not be the same feelings that they're going to have down the road, potentially. But I think it's really fascinating that finding about most men saying they would feel guilty if they didn't pay on the first date, which suggests that there's still that pretty strong belief in traditional gender norms. And when you look at those narratives where people are describing in the qualitative or open-ended questions what their thought process is, you do see support for traditional norms, but you also see support for egalitarian norms where people want to approach things equally. And then for some people, there's sort of like this interesting mix of the two where, you know, some women say they're offended if he doesn't pay on the first date, but they expect to start chipping in after that. And there are some men who say they want to pay on the first date to show they're financially secure, but then they expect some type of equity or contribution after that. So can you talk a little bit more about this? You know, it doesn't seem to be the case that traditional norms and egalitarian norms are polar opposites. A lot of people kind of seem to support both of them at the same time. Yeah, and there are some ways that people have tried to figure out an out to this question and of who should pay on a first date. And what they'll say is, well, whoever did the asking should be the should, should pay. So it's not gendered, it's whoever does the asking. But when you take a step back, we know that it's typically the men who are expected to do the asking. And so that I don't think is a is a successful answer to the question of who should pay on first dates because Generally, in the flirtation stage, there's a lot of like kind of hints and cues that the women are expected to send according to dating scripts that the men act upon and then do the actual formal asking. Um, so people have tried to come up with ways to like not make it seem gendered, even when it still is really gendered. But there are people who hold uh, quite a variety of, of beliefs and, and whether or not gender should matter or not. So I mentioned we have some qualitative responses from the participants. And so I'll, I'll share some of those with you to help illustrate some of the different ways that people are thinking about this question. First, in terms of the women, we had some women who were explaining why they want the man to pay on the first date. And these were women who were 
kind of illustrating the traditional courtship norm. So one woman said, a man who pays for everything sends a message that he can take care of me. So it's an early signal of, yes, he would be good in that traditional breadwinner role. Another woman said, a man who never lets you pay for anything on a date was raised with traditional values, and it makes me feel special or that he thinks I'm worth it. So again, it's, it's a signal for some women that, okay, we have the same attitudes and beliefs about gender and about the role of finances in relationships. Now, some women were endorsing more egalitarian norms. So they said things like, well, if you expect equality in your relationship overall, then there should be equality when paying for dates. Another woman said, I am making a clear statement that I am not dependent on his generosity and therefore not dependent on him. And finally, another woman said, I feel like I'm showing him I can make it on my own, but I can also take care of him. So you can see there's a couple different themes coming out in this egalitarianism. One is expectation for equality. Another is signaling independence. Another is signaling, hey, I'm not only independent, but I can potentially be a breadwinner for the relationship too. So even within the egalitarian norms, there's there's different reasons, different symbolic meanings that the women are attaching to their behavior of paying on the first date. And then one of the more common ones was this kind of mix between egalitarian and traditional norms, where you see that kind of like special place that the first date and the symbolic meaning of what happens on the first date seems to really matter to a lot of people. But then after the first date, it becomes more flexible. So one woman said, if on a first date, a man expected me to help pay, even though I claim to be liberal and independent, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't be put off. So you can see, just like the men were having a conflict between expecting women to pay, but their breadwinner socialization, you can see the women here are having some sort of conflicts between having a gender ideology, but still some remnants of that socialization. Another woman said, maybe it's reverse sexism, but I feel uncomfortable with a man who expects me to help pay at the very beginning. After we've been dating for a short time, I'm happy to pick up the tab half of the time, but not at first. So again, there's something symbolically important to what's happening on those first couple of dates to women. For men, kind of broke into some clear narratives as well. So some of the men were just straight up representing the traditional gender norms. So one guy said, I was raised a gentleman. My father always told me to treat the woman like a princess and you take care of her. So you can see there's a couple of things going on here. There's a belief about what makes you a good person, a good man. There's another about this kind of idea of benevolent sexism, what kind of women are more pure, women are should be elevated, women should be taken care of, and that's the role of the man. Another man said, similarly, I prefer to pay because it shows your date that you are financially secure. So it could be either signaling values or it could be signaling financial stability. We did have some men who were illustrating more egalitarian norms and also kind of upset at the idea of a woman not believing or engaging in behaviors that would be consistent with an egalitarian relationship. So one man was pretty direct. He said, if she can't even offer, then I don't want to be with someone who's cheap. Or I don't try and get them to pay for anything. If she can't figure it out on her own, she's too entitled, self-centered, or too dense to be worth dating. Now, Maybe that guy isn't someone that people want to be dating anyway, but you can see that there, there's some sort of offense that some men are taking to not even offering to pay, which could also explain you know, the woman's behavior earlier on that we talked about, where 
some women are making the offer even if they want it to be rejected because they know there's still some judgment if they don't offer to help contribute even if the man is not going to accept the offer on that day. So we also had a lot of men who, again, mixed that egalitarian traditional norm where the first few dates have the symbolic meaning, but then after that, they expect an egalitarian relationship. So one guy said, I'm fine with paying for the first few dates. However, if relationships are supposed to be 50-50, then each partner is expected to invest in the partnership financially. Another man said, on the first few dates, I usually expect to pay for everything because I think it shows that I have a strong, dependable commitment. Then if everything works out, I expect my partner to take some responsibility. So this was a common set of quotes that we saw where it's, yes, paying on the first date, it's signaling generosity, it's signaling financial stability, it's signaling this is a date, it's signaling romantic interest. But over time, you know, I've endorsed this more egalitarian set of beliefs about equality in relationships, and I view financial contributions as, as equality there. And I think when you put all of the quantitative results and all the percentages from the people who are endorsing different attitudes, and you put it together with the qualitative quotes, you, you can just really see the diversity in people's approach to this question and the approach to their situation, which is, you know, radically different than we would have expected several decades ago, as we've seen changing in gender roles and more variety in what's considered acceptable for men and women to engage in. It's fascinating to hear the participants in their own words talk about this. And I think it just really highlights what a fraught issue this is and how everybody has very different views on this, not necessarily on the same page. And that's just what makes it this complex and dicey, I think, ever-present issue in the world of dating. And I think maybe that's why some people have appreciated going on more virtual dates recently because they didn't necessarily cost anything. And so you didn't have to figure out the financial aspect necessarily beforehand. And so that could potentially be a good first step for people who kind of want to avoid that awkwardness is maybe do some virtual dates first. And once you're sure that, you know, this seems like a person you want to get to know a little bit more, maybe then you'll have the better communication for when the time comes and the check arrives. But I think an important question about all of this is, where does all this pressure come from in the first place? So is this an entirely cultural thing where we're socialized with different gender roles, men and women are supposed to be this way or that way when it comes to how they approach dating and relationships? Is this rooted in a history of men holding more economic power than women? And that's what sort of established the norm. Is there an evolutionary explanation? Just curious for what your take on this is and, you know, sort of how we arrived at this place of having this expectation that men should pay on the first date. Yes, I think, you know, with any preference, any behavior that you're ever talking about, it's always this complex dance among all those different elements that you're talking about. You know, our evolutionary history, our our own genes, our own hormonal factors, the situations that we find ourselves in, how we've been socialized, what our own income is, what our beliefs and values are, what we think the other person's beliefs and values are. Like, I mean. There's no human behavior that you can look at without taking seriously all of those different potential influences. And I think that's one of the exciting things about being a psychologist is, you know, you can't ignore culture, you can't ignore biology, like everything ultimately goes through the brain. And that's like the fundamental aspect of psychology. And so it, it makes it important to just consider what all the different perspectives out there are. 
So the social role type of perspective where men have in our culture have traditionally had greater income, have been breadwinners and have been responsible for kind of the public sphere, whereas women were expected to attend to the private sphere and in the home led to a strong dichotomy in what sorts of behaviors were expected on dates, including who should be financially responsible. And beyond that kind of broad general socialization type of perspective, which has to be true in at least a major a major way, there's more like specific perspectives as well about what maintains the system. So one of the theories that people apply to these types of questions about chivalry is called ambivalent sexism theory. And what it looks at is just how people can have both hostile and positive beliefs towards women at the same time. So on the one hand, you're socialized to treat women well, right? You have this kind of belief in chivalry, you have this knight in shining armor type of ideology that you're supposed to offer protection and affection to women. So some of the questions on the benevolent sexism scale are things like, in a disaster, women should be rescued before men, or many women have a quality of purity that few women possess. And you can kind of feel back to those qualitative quotes from the participants about, you know, you taught to kind of respect women, to treat them as princesses, to kind of you know, put them on a pedestal. But the idea here is, you know, you're supposed to have these positive feelings towards women who are conforming to traditional gender roles. So, you know, when a mother with a young child starts to work, um, you know, traditionally men aren't feeling this kind of positive benevolent sexism towards them because they're violating those gender roles. So on the one hand, you have this benevolent sexism, which says, you know, be chivalrous. And part of chivalry is, you know, opening doors, paying for first dates. On the other hand, people who are higher in that benevolent sexism also are higher in what's called hostile sexism. So that's having negative feelings towards women, particularly women who violate gender norms. So career moms, women who are more assertive, they tend to see like women as trying to seek power by getting control over men. And so one of the things that's interesting about this is, you know, People who are higher in hostile sexism, which are kind of negative, are also tend to be higher in benevolent sexism. And the theory is that these two go hand in hand. So the hostile sexism acts as a form of kind of social punishment to try and encourage women to stay within their gender role. And then the benevolent sexism acts as a carrot to kind of say, look, and here are all these incentives for following along with the traditional gender norms. So that could be one thing that's operating here. So there are some people who hold that benevolent hostile sexism type of beliefs, and that makes it important to them to pay on first dates because they're enacting that chivalrous aspect of this sex role ideology. So in addition to the sociocultural and social perspectives, there's also evolutionary perspectives. So not even talking about humans, but you look all over the animal kingdom, there's a lot of animals who engage in exchanging resources for different types of relationships, different types of access to sex, 
different types of pair bonds. Even with like relatively simple animals like insects, you'll have insects that will like find a little piece of food and wrap it up and then present it to the female and then she'll inspect it. And if she approves of the resource offering, she'll engage in sexual activity with the male. There's birds who build nests uh, where the males build the nests and the females go around and they start inspecting it and they choose the male with the best territory or the best nest. And chimpanzees, you can see sometimes very explicit trades of food for sex. So there's this long history of like resource provisioning being an important part of evolved behavior among species when they're trying to recruit or entice a partner to mate with them. And so people have applied that same type of reasoning to humans to see is there any type of evolved predisposition that might lead to women caring more about resources and a partner and men caring more about other factors on average? There's the, the classic 37 culture study by David Buss, where he went to 37 sites across the world and just asked, how important are each of these tra traits when seeking a partner? And having a strong earning capacity is you know, substantially ranked more important for women than it is for men. You see this in online dating sites as well, where a man's income is a really strong predictor of how many responses he gets from women on the dating site, whereas for women, it's not nearly as an important predictor. It's it's still might matter, but it's not a strong predictor of men's behaviors. So this kind of evolved predisposition to look for cues to resources, to territories, to things that might lead to someone being able to provision that would be the evolutionary perspective on why women are attending to men's behaviors when it comes to resources. That said, like the evolutionary folks don't think that this is all just like a really rigid thing that everyone's born with. And every evolutionary perspective, organisms are always really sensitive to their environment, to the danger in the environment, the availability of resources, their own current states. Um, there's lots of factors that are important besides your sex in terms of impacting your, your behavior from an evolutionary perspective. Just to give one example of that, there's an evolutionary anthropologist, Elizabeth Pillsworth. So she studies the Shuar of Ecuador. And so she wanted to see among the Shuar of Ecuador who are living in really small villages without much contact to cities or without much contact to media or anything like that, do the women still care a lot about resources and a partner? Do you still see that sex difference? And on the one hand, what you do see is that the women in those villages care a lot about resource provisioning from their partners. It's a really important thing that they seek when seeking a mate. But on the other hand, it's also really important to the males because if you're going to survive in that environment, you need resources and you need a partner who can provide resources and food, et cetera. So, you know, some of these things that are might have an evolutionary basis um, are still highly influenced by your current situation, your current ecology, and the culture that you are developing in. And the short version of that, it's very complex. And there's probably a lot of different factors at play here, a lot of different ways that you can analyze this. And we could talk endlessly about this, the different perspectives and the critiques of them that exist. But I thank you for sharing that and sharing it all very clearly. Now, I know we're running short on time, but I have just one other thing I want to ask you about, which is how we can better handle and navigate this very fraught issue. People, as we've mentioned, seem to have very different and conflicting opinions sometimes about who should pay on the date. So how do you bring this issue up in a way that is going to, you know, maybe reduce the likelihood of conflict or hurt feelings or anything like that? 
Is it something you should discuss before you even go on a date? You know, how do you better manage or navigate this particular issue? I mean, I think a lot of it is reading cues in the moment. So, you know, the check comes and if first, let's say your guy is the woman reaching for it, right? Because that would be a potential signal that if there's going to be an offer from her to pay, that it probably is going to be uh, one that she wants respected because, you know, she's also reaching for the check. It could be doing an initial, so let's say the, the woman says, oh, can I chip in? You know, that's a different type of question. It's like, oh, let me pay, right? So the wording there is slightly different that you're attending to. Is the kind of offer to pay repeated, right? So you kind of expect the most women to give kind of, oh, would you like me to pay? Or, oh, I'd like to pay. And then the kind of, you know, scripted responses to say, no, no, I got it, right? And then see how she responds. I like my strategy, right? Because I'm signaling on the one hand, I'm happy to pay, but on the other hand, like I'm open to gender equality and we can like, once we get to know each other, like talk about what our different values are here. So, you know, I mean, I think some of this is going to be a little bit easier in terms of if you're meeting like an online dating site, you can see the person's overall political ideology, which is going to be linked to gender ideology. So you might have a better sense going in of what the likely right behavior is. But I mean, I think the most important is to not be really insistent, to not like override. If someone's like expressing a preference or saying, no, no, I'd really like to, you know, like to respect that because you don't want to try and control their behavior because that's sending a different signal than what you are intending. Again, I think, you know, a lot of it is in picking up on a lot of that nuance in that conversation in that moment. In terms of talking about it beforehand, that's, I think, not something I've really like thought about or considered, but I think your listeners will likely be sharing a lot of their thoughts and perspectives because, you know, a first date can be really exciting, but it also can be kind of anxiety producing because you don't know what's going to happen and it's the other person likes you as much as you like them. And there, there's all that uncertainty. And then on top of that, you have this unscripted behavior. So I think there's a reason why people keep surveying tens of thousands of people about this type of question is because that first date is that exciting, dramatic, potential disaster type of experience that that we all get really um, excited about. I think that's all great advice. And I think you're so right about not trying to override what the other person wants to do. You know, my approach with this has always been, I, I go in expecting we're going to split the bill or maybe I'll offer to pay. And if the other person offers to pay, I will ask, are you sure? And, you know, I'll do, I'll do one pushback. And if they say yes, I'm like, fine. I don't want to turn it into something awkward. And I think that when people start to get into that power struggle, then it starts to become this bigger fight. And, you know, it's just never going to go anywhere good, whether that's between friends or romantic partners or anyone else. So, I know this is a complex and controversial issue. So thank you so much for this great conversation, David. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work? If you Google David Frederick Psychology, my official website and my own personal website will come up. So David Frederick Psychology, throw that into Google and it'll come up. And you can also do David Frederick Google Scholar and it'll bring up all of my research articles as well. 
Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.